It is story time, kids. Here we go. This book is intense, though. I hope you're ready. This is from my favorite author, Stephen Pressfield, one of my favorite authors. It's called The Warrior Ethos. And I know, like, we don't always get as much time to read as we would like. So I'm actually just going to read you some of these chapters and kind of comment on it as I go. Here we go. Story time. Warrior, the warrior ethos. Oh, and also, I'm a nerd, and I like to define things as I read, and so I'm going to be doing that throughout this little journey of ours. So what is an ethos, right? It's a very powerful word. Here we go. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. The characteristic spirit of a culture, era, or community as manifested in its beliefs and aspirations. Once again, ethos, the characteristic spirit of a culture, era, or community as manifested in its beliefs and aspirations. I love this word. It comes from, I always like to look at the derivation. It comes from the nature or customs of things. It's a Greek word, okay? Okay, cool. So the warrior ethos. Here we go. I hope you're ready. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> okay, it starts with a quote from Plutarch. Sayings of the Spartans. The Spartans do not ask how many are the enemy, but where are they? I love it. Savages. Writing about war. I am a writer. This is kind of the prologue, right? The beginning part. I write about war. External wars and internal wars. Wars ancient and modern. Real wars out of history and imagined wars that exist only in speculation. Why? I don't even know myself. My newest book is called The Profession. It's set a, excuse me, it set a generation into the future. The profession posits a world in which combatants, I'm going to look that word up real quick because I don't know what that means. Thanks a lot. Third grade teacher posits, posit, to posit something means to assume as a fact. Okay. This is a little study hack too. Anytime you're reading, if you find yourself, you're going blank, just look up the damn word right before you went blank. There's a word, guarantee you, Look at it, and then you the blankness will stop. Okay, here we go. It's <laughs> The Profession, is this new book he wrote, posits a world in which combatants, posits, assumes as a fact, posits a world in which combatants serving for hire have been cut loose from the traditional rules of war and are no longer bound by the standards of honor that have governed Western armies since Troy and before. This was new territory for me. Questions of right and wrong arose that I, have, that I had never considered. The subject forced me to do some hard thinking. Does a fighting man require a flag or a cause to claim a code of honor? Or does a warrior ethos arise spontaneously, called forth by necessity and the needs of the human heart? Is honor coded into our genes? What does honor consist of? In an age when the concept seems mo almost abandoned by society at large, at least in the West... What is the, or the warrior ethos? Where did it come from? What form does it take today? This volume is my attempt to address these questions. The book makes no claim to provide an ultimate definitive answer. It's just one man's thoughts and observations on the subject. I love this guy. He's so humble. He's also brilliant. Stephen Pressfield. Check him out. The warrior ethos was written for our men and women in uniform, but its utility, I hope, will not be limited to the sphere of literal armed conflict. We all fight wars in our work, within our families, and abroad in the wider world. Each of us struggles every day to, to define and defend our sense of purpose and integrity, to justify our existence on the planet, and to understand, if only within our hearts, who we are and what we believe in. We are all warriors. Do we fight by a code? If so, what is it? What is the warrior ethos? How do we, and how can we, use it and be true to it in our internal and external lives. That's the end of the prologue. Okay.
All right, this next part's good. Part one, Academies of War. Tough Mothers is chapter one. I love this. Three stories from ancient Sparta. A messenger returned to Sparta from a battle. The, wom the women clustered around. To one, the messenger said, Mother, I bring sad news. Your son was killed facing the enemy. The mother said, Mother said, He is my son. Your other son is alive and unhurt, said the messenger. He fled from the enemy, the mother said. He is not my son. Damn, savage. A different messenger returned from a battle and was hailed by a Spartan mother. How fares our country, Harold? The messenger burst into tears. Mother, I pity you. He said, all five of your sons have been killed facing the enemy. You fool, she said. I did not ask of my sons. I asked whether Sparta was victorious. Indeed, mother, our warriors have prevailed. Then I am happy, said the mother. And she turned and walked home. Oh my gosh, so savage. Two warriors, brothers, were fleeing from the enemy back toward the city. Their mother happened to be on the road and saw them running toward her. She lifted her skirts above her waist. Where do you think, where do you two think you're running? Back here from whence you came? Oh my gosh. The most, I love Spartan mothers. The most famous Spartan mother story is also the shortest. A Spartan mother handed her son his shield as he prepared to march off to battle. She said, come back with this or on it. That's a warrior culture. That's the warrior ethos. A Spartan colonel, a man in his 50s, was accused of accepting bribes in an overseas command. When his mother back home learned of this, she wrote him the following letter. Either quit your thieving or quit breathing. Woo! The warrior ethos embodies certain virtues, courage, honor, loyalty, integrity, selflessness, and others that most warrior societies believe must be inculcated from birth. Inculcated? What the hell does that mean? Let's look it up. Here we go. Incul. Kated means to instill an attitude, idea, or habit by persistent instruction. So they'll like pound it into somebody by persistent instruction. The failures of the church is to inculcate a sense of moral responsibility. Okay, back to the story. Here we go. If a... No, excuse me. Uh, lost my place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the warrior ethos embodies certain virtues, courage, honor, loyalty, integrity, selflessness, and others that most warrior societies believe must be inculcated from, so instilled in, from birth. In Sparta, every newborn boy was brought before the magistrates, which are like judges, to be examined for physical hardiness. If a child was judged unfit, he was taken to a wild gorge on Mount Tegetos, the mountain overlooking the city, and left for the wolves. Oh my gosh. We have no reports of a mother weeping or protesting. I do not support that last part. Part two, or excuse me, chapter two of this part one is women first. I love this so much. Oh my gosh. Shout out to all the powerful women listening. One scene in my book, Gates of Fire, was has elicited more passionate feedback than any other. It's the one where the Spartan king, Leonidas, explains what criteria he employed to select the specific 300 warriors that he chose to march off with him and die defending the pass at Thermopylae. The scene is fiction. There's no evidence that anything like it happened in real life, but something about the moment seems to ring so true that it has produced a avalanche of, excuse me, he says torrent of letters and emails. A torrent is like a downpour, uh, you know, an avalanche of letters and emails. Okay, Leonidas picked the men he did, he explains, not for their warrior prowess as individuals or collectively. He could as easily have selected 300 others or 20 groups of 300 others, and they would have fought bravely and to the death. That was what Spartans were raised to do. Such an act was the apex to them of warrior honor. Apex is a great word. Apex means... 
the top or highest part of something, especially one forming a point. Okay, so for the Spartans, the t highest honor was basically to fight and die. Holy moly. But the king didn't pick his 300 champions for that quality. He picked them instead, he says, for the courage of their women. He chose these specific warriors for the strength of their wives and mothers to bear up under their loss. Wow. So to bear up, I guess that means like to, you know, pull themselves together when, if they were to die, which probably, well, they all were going to die. He, Leonidas already knew that. That's jacked up. Yeah, to bear up means to remain cheerful in the face of adversity. Okay. So that last part was, um, he chose these specific warriors for the strength, strength of their wives and mothers to bear up under their loss, to remain cheerful. Leonidas knew that to defend Thermopylae was certain death. No force could stand against the overwhelming numbers of the Persian invaders. Leonidas also knew that ultimate victory would be brought about, if indeed it could be brought about, in subsequent battles fought not by this initial band of defenders, but by the united armies of the Greek city-states in the coming months and years. What would inspire these latter warriors? What would steal their will to resist and prevent them from offering the tokens of surrender that the Persian king Xerxes demanded of them? By the way, that movie 300 is unreal. Y'all should watch that. <clears throat> Leonidas knew that the 300 Spartans would die. The bigger question was, how would Sparta herself react to their deaths? If Sparta fell apart, all of Greece would collapse with her. But who would the Spartans themselves look into in this decisive hour? They would look to the women, to the wives and mothers of the fallen. Damn, that's true. That's so cool. If these women gave way, if they fell to weeping and despair, then all the women of Sparta would give way too. Sparta herself would buckle, and with her, all of Greece. But the Spartan women didn't break, and they didn't give way. The year after Thermopylae, the Greek fleet and army threw back the Persian multitudes large numbers of people. They threw back the Persian multitudes at Salamis and Plataea. Plataea. The West survived then in no small measure because of her women. Oh, that's hot. <laughs> Shout out to powerful women. What's up? The lioness hunts. The alpha female defends the wolf pack. The warrior ethos is not, at bottom, a manifestation only of male aggression or of the masculine will to dominance. Its foundation is city society-wide. Its foundation is society-wide. Let me read that last part again. The warrior ethos is not, at the bottom of it, a manifestation only of male aggression or of the masculine will to dominance. Oh, I love that. Its foundation is society-wide. It rests on the will and resolve of mothers and wives and daughters, and in no few instances of female warriors as well, to defend their children, their home soil, and the values of their culture. Oh my gosh, this book is so good. All right, obviously I do not own the rights to this freaking song. I don't, you know, I mean this song, this book. The book is like 90 pages long. I'm literally gonna smash this today because I freaking love this. I'm gonna leave you with a teaser. Um, uh, the very last chapter is the hardest thing in the world. I'm just gonna read a very small part of this. The hardest thing in the world is to be ourselves. Who are we? Our family tells us, society tells us, laws and customs tell us. But what do we say? How do we get to that place of self-knowledge and conviction where we are able to state without doubt, fear or anger, this is who I am, this is what I believe, this is how I intend to live my life. How do we find our true calling, our soul companions, our destiny? In this task, our mightiest ally is the warrior ethos. Directed inward, the warrior ethos grounds us, 
fortifies us and focuses our resolve. As soldiers, we have been taught discipline. Now we teach ourselves self-discipline. As fighting men and women, we have been motivated, commanded, and validated by others. Now we school ourselves in self-motivation, self-command, and self-validation. Oh my gosh, look at this. The warrior, the warrior archetype, archetype is, I have a basic concept of what that is, but I'm looking it up because that's what we do here. Archetype, a very typical example of a certain person or thing. The warrior archetype is not the be-all and end-all of life. It is only one identity, one stage on the path to maturity, but it is the greatest stage and the most powerful. It is the foundation upon which all succeeding stages are laid. Let us be then warriors of the heart and enlist in our inner cause the virtues we have acquired through blood and sweat in the sphere of conflict. Courage, patience, selflessness, loyalty, fidelity, self-command, respect for elders, love of our comrades and of the enemy, perseverance, cheerfulness in adversity, and a sense of humor, however terse or dark. Terse means... I'm being Jamie. If you guys watch Joe Joe Rogan, uh, he has his sidekick, Jamie. I'm being Jamie right now for myself. Isn't that awesome? Sparing in the use of words. Abrupt. Okay, so terse means abrupt. Sparing in the use of words, so you're not using very many words. I'm going to read that last part to you. Let us be, then, warriors of the heart and enlist in our inner cause the virtues we have acquired through blood and sweat in the sphere of conflict. Courage, patience, selflessness, loyalty, fidelity... Self-command, respect for elders, love of our comrades and of the enemy, perseverance, cheerfulness in adversity, and a sense of humor, however terse or dark. Holy snap, son. Yeah, Stephen Pressfield is literally the dude. He is, he is the author of Gates of Fire, Tides of War, The Afghan Campaign, Killing Rommel, amongst others. He is a former Marine. Oh, I didn't know that. In 2003, he was made an honorary citizen by the city of Sparta in Greece. That is so cool. I love this guy. He wrote my favorite book of all time, The War of Art. I'm going to be reading parts of that to you uh, because it's so inspirational and so cool. Anyway, I want you guys to like... I don't, I don't want to lecture, lecture you what to do, but I would hope that you find it inside yourself to... Figure out, you know, what do I stand for? Who am I fighting against? Who am I fighting for? Who are the powerful people around me that are supporting me? Shout out to the powerful women. Shout out to the powerful dudes. Supporting them, their powerful wives or husbands or boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever, friends. <laughs> and, um, you know, find it in yourself. Like, how can I not just market my business, but literally rally people around a cause, around a banner, around a flag, you will, by doing this, you will fight to the death to serve your customers. I know I'm getting very, very uh, intense here, but, you know, life, I want, I always want my life to have meaning. Like, I've always looked for a code, a code of conduct, right? And the most powerful code of conduct you can possibly have is your own goddamn co code of conduct, right? It doesn't have to be coming from society, right? Like laws, I don't like laws, but I have internal laws that I try to stick to. And sometimes I go against them. And it hurts, and uh, I have regret, and I have pain, and this and that, and um, and it's just something you have to work through, right? You have to like have that self reflection, and you know, obviously, it can help to like ask for forgiveness, but you need to forgive yourself, and you can do that by taking responsibility for whatever that code or law or code of conduct that you broke was, 
and move past it, you know? Like in the past, I used to be a quitter, you know? Things would get rough and I wouldn't have patience and I would just kind of quit. And that is like a major ethical breach, right? It's like now I'm just in a totally different state. When I fail, like I, I, I love it because <laughs> I'm sick. Um, and not too long ago, just about a month ago, um, I did a webinar for a client and it was horrible. It wasn't horrible. We, we basically sort of broke even on the webinar, but you know, like, oh, we put a lot of work into that thing. We had a shit ton of technical problems and it was bad. It was a failure, but it, you know, I wasn't, uh, at, at first I did want to quit. I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. This is horrible. What did I do? What the fuck? Then I, you know, smacked myself around, round, got my warrior ethos together. And I looked back on why did I fail? Why did we, why did I fail? Like, what were the actual reasons? Right. And this is not where you start beating yourself up. That's horseshit. If you do that, you are just giving into your resistance, right? That part of you that wants to self-sabotage you. Do not go there. Look at the objective things that you did. I found out, I realized we hadn't promoted. We hadn't um, promoted the way we normally do. We usually generate leads before a webinar. We didn't do that. We had serious technical problems. We didn't give ourselves enough time to sort those out. Major mistake. We kind of um, used the same subject that we had done before, and it wasn't like new and fresh and, and interesting. That was a bit, that was a problem. I, I, made, I made a giant list, and it became an, an ex, a, a super valuable um, learning lesson, and one that I will I will bring those changes forward with all of my future projects because I don't want to experience the pain of that again. Right? When you pour your soul into a webinar, y'all, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Anybody that's done a webinar, that shit is difficult. It's like writing a book. <laughs> Only the book is about to be viewed by, you know, hundreds or 500 or 1,000 people, right? So it's like there's a lot of pressure to deliver. And so anyway, the point is, is I took, I made this giant list. It's now baked into my system. So none of those things ever happen again. I learned so much from that experience and I can move forward and, um, just find that warrior ethos within you, you know, if you don't want to call it a warrior ethos, because that sounds too, too intense, then call it something else. But, you know, your business and you as an entrepreneur, you need to have a code of conduct, right? You are entrepreneurs. Alex Sharfin talks about how we are the evolutionary hunters of our society. There's, he talks about four different types of people. There's nurturers, like the nurses and stuff. There's the communicators, there's the organizers, and then there's the hunters, the entrepreneurs, the problem solvers, right? If you are an entrepreneur, a problem solver, a business owner, congratulations, you're probably that personality type, and you are a hunter, you know? We don't hunt anymore, but you are you go out, and you provide for your family, and you solve problems for the tribe, and that's how you get paid, right? And so that's why I'm so passionate about... <laughs> rallying your business around a cause, around a message, around something that is important and that matters to the marketplace. By doing that, you will separate yourself from all your competition and have a lasting, meaningful um, group that will stick with you long after you are gone, right? I truly believe all of the businesses that I've created would go on without me, even if I, you know, was disappeared, got abducted by aliens, right? 
So shoot for that. Please read this book, Steve, uh, Stephen Pressfield, The Warrior Ethos. It's like a 90-page read. It's super fast. He breaks it up into little sections. It's so enjoyable. He has an audio version, I'm sure. Check out The War of Art and then read all of his other books. I just got all of them again. Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit by Stephen Pressfield. The Artist's Journey by Stephen Pressfield and Turning Pro. Those are just those are his nonfiction works. And pretty soon, guys, um, I'm going to post a link in this description here. I am going to give you a... Let's leave it to the next episode. I'm actually, I'm about to, today, I'm going to break $10,000 in earring sales on my Empress U um, brand new business, my e-commerce business. And to celebrate in the next episode, I'm going to take you through a walkthrough of how and what and all the successful actions I did. But Again, Empress U is, doesn't just sell a bunch of shit to people. It is a movement. It means something to people. It, the message is own your beauty. Own your beauty. You are beautiful. You are amazing. What the hell? Why don't you believe that? You must believe. <laughs> We're going to pound it into beautiful women across the world and men, whoever's into buying our earrings. And, uh, and yeah, so the next episode, will I'm going to give you my entire sales funnel that I use to sell a shit ton of earrings. And I'm going to walk you through how I came up with this concept, the marketing, and all of that uh, as much as I can in a podcast. I'll probably do a YouTube episode too. And uh, so wait, look for that. Please subscribe, comment, give me a review, whatever the hell people do with podcasts. I would appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon.